This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from the world Sarah J. Mass has created, along with brief mentions from the Black Witch Chronicles, from Blood and Ash, Serpent and Dove, and the Grishaverse. There are also discussions surrounding grief and violence. Everybody and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing, this is Crescent City 2, House of Sky and Breath. Is it Crescent City 2 or is it just Crescent City House of Sky and Breath. It's just Crescent City House of Sky and Breath. I think we as the fandom have been referring to it as Crescent City for so long that now we've been trying to actually actively have to differentiate. (laughs) Yeah, this is a CC2 Sky and Breath. Uh, We have so much to say about this. Absolutely so much. Probably not what you're thinking. Um, Maybe probably kind of what you are thinking. I want to get this out of the way just for me personally. Just for me personally, I will not apologize for not liking Hunt very much. Uh, I acknowledge that based on what we're reading, that they are mates. I understand this. I understand this is not a problem. Um, I have a fantastic talent of tolerating the (laughs) mediocre men in my friends' lives. So (laughs) this is not... Like a problem for me, I will excel at this. So she has done a wonderful job. You know, she loves me through and through, and she's let me learn my own lessons. She's the best, and she's happily allowed me onto her team. I told her, you know, I think we talked about this too. Is you know, in, in previous episodes, like I'll be the first to admit when I'm wrong. I'll take ownership of my actions. Hunt wasn't for me. That doesn't mean you know. This is that person when you're like when your friend is in a relationship, you just, okay, let's, she's happy. Let's be happy for her. But also like, let's normalize that you can be wrong and people don't have to be toxic about it. Which is the thing. Like it it is so important that you can like, look, they are mates. Clearly it is not for me. Jess, I don't think it's really for you. Um, It is what it is. We will tolerate it. We're not going to like shit on it. It is what it is. What the author has put down is what it is. What I can tell you (laughs) is that Rune is my shit. I love Rune. Rune is, ah, yes, yes. And I love that he was, I liked him in, and the first, I loved him in Earth and Blood. Love him in Sky and Breath. Yeah, no, he's really fantastic. And the way that we're introduced to him in his chapter is just fantastic. He's like high as fuck, like face full of wonderful, wonderful, voluptuous woman. And he's loving life, right? He's like, Rune was certain of three things in his life. He was high as hell. He couldn't feel his face. And it's a damn shame because he's going down on this girl. (laughs) And what did you say? I was, 
what did you say where you were like, I like to think of Dorian doing <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just like, you know, Dorian had these same thoughts, I feel like. Like, good good on him, good on him. Uh, yeah, Rune, Rune is really fantastic. Uh, circling to the end of the fucking book, uh, having Rune be related to Reese and having that confirmed by Bryce just kind of cements that like, yeah, of course it really like Rune, especially in this book, like fond of Rune in CC one. Uh, that's on record. Love Rune in CC two. I love, you know, and from the beginning, what was, I mean, I was texting you all the little things that he was saying when he was mind talking to Bryce and he was talking when they were talking about the star sword specifically. And he's like, I'm not the type of male whose sense of pride is so, is so little that I need to cling to a shiny weapon. And what I was like, I I sent you the TikTok sound. I go, Oh, his dick is big. I know. I know his dick is big. And it reminds me the complete opposite of Reed and serpent and dove where he needs his little like, stabby dagger oh but it's not my stabby dagger i'm like whatever (laughs) give me a rune root all day just we have new characters in this book we have new characters we have new plot lines we have a new uh just a new vibe kind of in general um tell me who these new characters are yeah so i mean we have i mean we have a lot of you know, a lot of our favorites are returning. We have, you know, Bryce, Juniper, Fury, Danica in some sort of sense, which she still plays an integral role, which is what we were talking about in our part two recap episode of Earth and Blood. We have Hunt, Therian, Rune, Ethan Holstrom has a big, like, he plays a prominent role Ethan. in this one, too. We love Ethan. Hypaxia, Tristan, Declan, uh, Baxian is back, Viper Queen, Autumn King, which we learned his name is Emir, Emir, I can't remember. Um, Jessica, the Hind, Pollux. We get the names of, you know, we get the names of the Asterior back in a way. You have Hesperus, Polaris, um, Esphoros, Octardus, Ostris, Sirius, who was the the Asteri that the Prince of the Pit ate, who's also known as Star Eater, and then Rigelus, the Bright Hand. And then we have some new characters, too. Uh, Pippa, who leads Lightfall, and we'll talk more about that. Sophie Renast, Cam- uh, Cormac Mordock, River Queen and her daughter, Commander Sandez, Apollyon, who we know is the Prince of the Pit, Ari- Aridon- Ariadne? Ariadne. So, or, oh, Ariadne, Celestina, and Emile. Did I get it all? <laughs> Maybe not all of them, but they'll float in and out. Okay. Okay. Talk me through the Thunderbird plot because I swear <laughs> to fucking God, it has to go somewhere. It has to go somewhere. And I'm not, here's the thing I really don't want to speculate about the Akatar, like where it could go. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I just. I feel like we got a bunch of info dumping on the Thunderbird just to set up for something future in the future. Nothing really related to now. Because right now, I feel like the only setup was finding out that the Thunderbird and Emil is related to a Thunderbird. All for Emil not to just to be human. Right. Yeah, that's a, like that's yeah. one plot, and then Emil goes off with her parents and is her like now her her like brother, a, yeah. her legal brother or something, and then and then we never hear from them. So like they do that, tie that plot up in a bow for now for this book, and then we're we continue with the rest of it. And like, what did we learn about the Thunderbirds? They're they're 
like supposedly killed out, like you know, killed off. Yeah, uh, there they can harm the Asteri. They have. They're the only things as of right now that we know that can decimate an Asteri. But it, what is it? It's like electricity. Like it's like electricity, right? <sighs> I wish oh, I know. Sam is going to yell at me. It reminds me of that one electric Pokemon from like the original 51. The one, the, it's like yellow and, and red. Oh, he's going to fucking kill me. Pikachu? Is it no, Pikachu? No, not Pikachu. No. It's an actual bird. <laughs> no. It sounds like that TikTok. Well, everybody knows Pikachu. <laughs> I have no idea. Pokemon oh, was gonna not know my thing. He's going to know when he's going to screaming when he's editing. I'm... Sam will probably self-insert just to tell you what it is. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Zapdos. So the the whole the whole Thunderbird thing is just is just very like confusing, but it gives us Cormac and it gives us the information that like a human like made the drop. Um, because right. like, like, so, you know, we have, we have that information. Um, Jess and I <laughs> did the audio experience and because we did the audio experience, um, we were able, and I, and I feel like, um, Anybody other people, yeah, 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 um, could pick this out if you did the audio, but Jess, what, what were you able to pick out right oh, away? Lizzie has a wonderful accent for, um, Agent Silver and it's, you know, you hear it and you're like, cool, Agent Silver. And then Cormac enters the picture and what is it like chapter two or three and he, or maybe it's like three. Yeah. Chapter three. Cause they're at the front house and he comes and here comes Cormac with the same accent. And we were like, oh, it's oh, Agent it's Silver. Silver. But we're like, okay, we know as the reader, but. If you're like as the audio reader, but if you're going through the book, you're not going to make that connection. So thanks, Lizzie. Thank you, Lizzie. That was that was just a, that was a really nice thing. Uh, then I, I want to talk about the the freezes in the uh, ballet scene with oh. um, Bryce and her mom. Her mom got on my fucking nerves. I knew she would. Mm, I, I hate that shit. I knew she would. Yeah, yeah, because I have had that fight, and ooh, mm-hmm. I, I hate it so much. I, ooh, I had that fight a lot. Uh, but we get, knowing what we know about the end, like, we get the Pegasus there, We and if you know, but I don't want to spiral. I'm just putting that there to, like, timestamp, watermark, bam, bam, bam. Um he, you know, is that a Helion situation with the Pegasus and the Freeze? Um, then we get a lot about uh, Thur, 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 get a lot about Thur. Um, you know, the Thunder, Thor. you know, <laughs> you know, Thor, Thor, uh, the thun, you know, Thunder, Lightning, all, all that stuff. Um, it's you know, okay, 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 okay. Uh, we we get a lot of that, and it's just really interesting because again, uh. If you go back to our recap episode, I raised the point of like, where the fuck is this set? Uh, I think it's kind of reinforced here that is grease, grease, grease. Yeah, it's it's a grease situation. Yeah, hardcore. Well, I mean, then there was like probably like sixty five percent of the way through, we had been speculating from our part two recap episode that it was grease, and then when they start talking about all the olive trees, I was like, oh. They talk about olive groves and olive trees and all of, and the olives are, I was like, oh, okay, we're, dri- we're really driving this home now, aren't we? Yeah, it, it's just like, whoa, okay, okay, good. Good to know, good to know. All right, so 
there's just so much going on in the plot that we're not going to be able to cover all of it. So we will obviously do like a like a recap like later, or like yeah. way later, way later. So this is just like a main kind of like gloss this is over. Our, like, this is our initial. We yeah. I just finished yesterday. Laura finished the day before. Um, and we've needed this time to process uh, amongst each other. Uh, kind of, also kind of like. We, I was off. I, I don't know about you. I was off social media for a majority of those times. Like I would post something real quick, and then I would go back into my cave because after the big spoil, you yeah. fucking asshole. I don't mm-hmm. care if you're listening. Like, sorry, you put that out there. Like that's a shitty thing to do. Yeah. Um, it's a 14 book build. Like, what? Ruined it's great. It. Is, is it great? Absolutely. But you took that moment away from. Not, like, the fandom and the author. The, she has been working on that since she was 15, 16 years old. Yeah. She's That's a really shitty thing to like, do. she's 20 years. You took, like, I, I, I would be devastated. I mean, granted, she's not. She has a kid. Maybe that's her focus now. She's two. Um, but, like, how to, to take that away from somebody? I, I, you know what? If you listen, don't listen to us anymore. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> No, we, we've never shied away from taking a stand. So if you did the spoilers, fuck off. Uh, so going back to our plot, uh, I just I texted you that runes, blue eyes blazed violet with a glint of stars. And so I think it's important to say that we were spoiled. Like I was spoiled. Uh, I was spoiled very, like, accidentally. I was aware of the spoilers. I did the things. It came across uh, my Twitter feed in Spanish. And then I was like, no. And then when I was scrolling, the English translation was at the bottom, and I was fucked. Um, But then I texted you, Jess, and I was like, do you want to be spoiled? Well, you said you were shaking. I was. My hands were shaking. Yeah, you said you were shaking. And I was like, my anxiety cannot do this. (laughs) And I had to know, and I did, because we just heard that there were spoilers going around. And we're like, okay, we'll just, we'll just avoid the things. We'll, we'll avoid, avoid them. It didn't That's work. That's fine. And I couldn't <sighs> not, I, I couldn't not know. Well, it's wild because, um, I, I only got the, um, you know, the, the Reese Bryce. You got the last line. The last line. Uh, right. So that, that, that was it. And eventually I got the rest of it. But I asked Jess and, you know, she said yes. Yeah. And that is what I gave her. So we knew that that was going to happen. But we speculated it. Mm-hmm. We speculated a Some, correlation yeah. there because we were talking about it in our part two recap where I go, Rune is related somehow either to Reese because of the Damati powers or to Azrael because of the shadows. Um, there's something there. There is something with the Night Court. There is something with Prithian. We don't know. But we, like, nobody knows. Nobody ever knows until it's right in front of you. So, like, is there, like, a, oh, I told you so. Oh, I guess this is sure. But, like, nobody really knows till it's in front of us because that's what, that's what we're all doing up until this point. Exactly. We were spoiled. So when Rune's eyes blazed with violet and stars, it was like, all right, all right, here we go. Full throttle. Here we go. Another instance of that is Bryce. Her thoughts were swirling like darkness and stars, which I thought was very interesting. It was like another one. And then when Rune is using his like Damati with Agent Daybright, it says Rune looking down in his mind uh, when talking to Agent Daybright. 
Daylight sees himself, quote, only in a form of nights and stars, galaxies and planets, as if his silhouette had been filled by them. Starry blanket of the sky covering his his fingers had his mind instinctively shielded him. So his mind naturally shielded him in the stars and the night and the like everything that we know. There are a few things that have stuck with me in this book. One of the things that have stuck with me in this book that I don't think has stuck with anybody else is the three definitions, different definitions of mates that we have in this book. And I just am so stuck on it. Why do we have this? Why is this here? You have the shifters, the fae, and the the malachim with the angels and like what, what it means. And then you have the conversation with Bryce and Hunt, like, what do I call you? Like boyfriend and girlfriend. Is it mate? Like, yeah, they like agree to call each other mates. And then it's, it's this whole thing. I am stuck on these definitions. I don't know why they're here. I am not fighting that Bryce and Hunt are mates. I am just pointing out that these definitions exist and I am interested in them, especially knowing what we know about um, the Fae and the Shifters being one. Well, that's what I was going to say. You flash forward to the end of the book and they say Shifters are Fae. Like Shifters are a, you know, a, a breed of Fae. Like Shifters derived from Fae, I think is like the really, the right way to say it. So then... If they derived from Fae, wouldn't the shifters and the Fae definition of mate essentially be the same? This is this is what I'm like, thinking. That's your question. Okay. Yeah. This is why I just I it's just Sarah leaves things in weird places, and I'm just like this is a weird thing that I am like catching on. Um, there's a few other things that I have caught on that I will bring up as we go on. It's like when you're in like Empire of Storms, and then if you don't read Assassin's Blade. Like, why would you have Assassin's Blade when it came out, like when it was published and released, if it wasn't going to pay off? Same thing with Lori Forrest's Rebel Mages with Wan Fasted and um, Light Mage. We're not really going to go into it because we have that own episode, but that has a huge payoff in the Demon Tide. I want to acknowledge and then set aside Therian's plotline. Because there's so much going on in this book. Let's acknowledge that Therian wants to be part of our world and that he is struggling with it. And our that little Ariel. A little, 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 our little redheaded male Ariel. He's doing his best. And he <laughs> is uh, now tied to the Viper Queen. And we have to assume like under her thrall in some form and like going to be addicted to her venom. This is what we assume, right? Like, yeah, the dragon was even like, what the fuck did you just do? Like, yeah. even the dragon knew not to fuck with that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's a blood oath situation. Like, I am not going to speculate. I'm not going to speculate. That, that's a whole different conversation. It's a whole other thing. So, so Therian, um, we acknowledge you. We see you and your struggles with the River Queen and her daughter and wanting to fuck somebody so bad that you tie yourself to them without thinking. Dude, we get it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, rookie move. Rookie yeah, move. yeah. R- rookie, rookie move, but we all make mistakes. <laughs> we all make mistakes, dude. Like, I get it. Um, so, Therian, we, we understand you, but we are going to set you aside for now. There's just too much else going on. Um, Hypaxia. Hypaxia. I really like this necromancy thing that she's got going on. I like that her tutors predate the Asteri. I like that her half-sister is the Hind. I like 
all of this, um, I like that Hypaxia is in a relationship with Celestina. Mm-hmm. Um, do I like that Celestina sold everybody out at the end? No, but I was waiting for a betrayal. So, okay. Uh, yeah, I, was, I was expecting a betrayal. Plus, like, even the littlest things, like when, when Bryce goes to her to ask for Hunt to come back, you know, from like, after being, you know, in the in the comedium for two weeks or whatever, just go. I'm gonna go to my my mom. Why would you lie to an archangel who you know can like cross check you? It's like get your lies straight. You know, if you were lying to your parents growing up and you 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 crossed those T's, you dotted those eyes, you made sure that you had all your bases covered. So I I just don't know why she didn't think that. I'm very... She's an archangel. Like, why would you lie to the archangel? Like, that just... that Again, rookie move. That just seems like a very rookie move. You bring up a really, really good point. Um, Bryce is a little different in this book. Do you agree with that? Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. What can I say? I was talking, like, for the last 48 hours to you about it. Well... People are very much loving the uh, loving this book and loving the end of this book. We're not saying that we don't love this book, um, but Bryce is very different. She has very different dynamics. There's a very different vibe. There's a very different um, focus on this book. Uh, how do you feel about that? <sighs> it's it's no secret. I think we've talked about this before. Um, how you know some people like will read a book. And they'll be like, oh, my gosh, I, be- I make that book my whole character. Like, that becomes my whole character um, description. And this was in Crescent City was the first time I-, I told you in chapter one, the first time I read it back in t- 2020, it was the first time that I felt like I wasn't reading a character. I was reading myself. And so coming into the second book, sometimes I, I-, I felt like I'm, s- I'm so disappointed in myself disappointed that's an interesting that's an interesting word choice do you want to i i just i think i was she just felt so much more self-serving as opposed to self-sacrificing in the first one she was doing everything you know we we you know we said like she you know maybe we didn't like her throwing herself into slavery offer when when hunt was at the summit or at the comedium but she, that that's in character for her because she's done it before. She self-sacrificed herself, her soul to Danica to ensure that she had what we think at that time is a restful place in the afterlife. Like she's con- in the first in the first book, she's human. She doesn't do the drop. She's going to Asphodel Metal. She's helping everybody else, other children, other people. She's the only person running through like the quarter telling people to like, go inside demons are coming and then what that you know and then ethan brings you know some of the pack and then the the viper queen has like her blood oath fey following her like helping her too but it's all as a human and for the greater good bryce is like i feel like bryce is now like oh i'm a princess woe is me and she even says i feel like i have no idea who i am i know that's a fucking cliche i thought i knew who i was then and now like i don't even know well if you're feeling you're probably feeling so shitty about yourself because you're not being this person that you were who prioritized who was just like i don't want to say sacrificial self-sacrificing 
But it wasn't always about her. And right now it just feels like, oh, I'm a princess. Oh, I have to do this. Oh, I have to do that. Like she just it kind of seems like she might be whining about things and not looking at the bigger picture. Which is really interesting, too, because in the beginning of this book, you and I were both like loving what Bryce was saying, right? She was like, you know, hun, I want to take this time with you. I We don't know each other outside of like this world ending event. Like, let's just be and like chill with the sex stuff and just just hang out. And, and you and I were both like, yes, this is great. Yeah, and even like if you, even though we like when we've said this, even though we like didn't love Hunt, we did appreciate there was communication there, there was the flirting, there was the band, like there was it was still fun, you know. You could still appreciate and like love like like their dynamic. Like this book, I felt like, especially in the beginning when there was that dynamic, you felt the chemistry there. Like yeah. it was very like um, poppy cast. Definitely. And I love the introduction of Ethan in there too, to kind of, so they kind of like play off of him. They're like, can you like, can you like have sex quieter? Oh, like, I, he's oh. like, I'm going to fuck you senseless. And, and you have like, Ethan I like, I don't think that's, that's good. <laughs> don't do that. That sounds like it could medically be like not a good thing. It was like, you know, I love that. I love that. Um, I definitely, this is just like an, like an aside. I definitely did yell that, uh, to my college roommate once. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, the, the exact quote was, um, can you please hook up quieter is what I (laughs) yelled quite loudly. I do really like that. Uh, I agree with you here that Bryce did not feel to me like the same Bryce from CC1. So I'm going to move my head aside and I have this beautiful art here that is Bryce and Danica, the beautiful spring break like fan art that's going around. We'll, um, we'll put the, yeah, the artist we'll, in we'll our show. Um, my question is where is this? Where yeah. is this female friendship? Where is this, where is this sisterhood? Where is this, um, you know, strength in female camaraderie? We don't have that here. In my opinion, and Jess, I think you share this opinion. What we have here is Bryce slowly isolating the people that know her best, um, slowly isolating herself until she has no one, um, a- around her, no feet, no female influence around around her um at all one of our followers even said um she made the comment on on our instagram when we did the q a like just hearing about like oh like what's your feedback where we weren't going to put the spoilers part we were just censoring the spoilers too and she goes at one point there are five it's just bryson five females and i understand that there are some girls who are just like oh i don't like female friendships like there's so much drama like there are people out there but like you and I specifically, we've had this conversation. We love our free female friendships. We thrive with them. You know, you have somebody for like every facet of your life. And it's just this wonderful thing that you could like grow and encourage and work with each other. And she's isolated herself from it. And not in the way that she did in CC1 where she was going through, um, you know, going through her depression because that I totally relate to also. It's different. Yeah. yeah. It's so different. It's, it's literally she's isolated herself based on her actions because especially when she, what happens with Juniper, Fury even says, look, that's, I'm, I love Juniper. I'm your friend too. I'm staying out of it, but you fucked up. And I'm and I'm behind my girlfriend with this. And and Hunt would have done the same thing if it was the other way around. He would be like, look, 
I'm going to be behind my, my girlfriend for this. So she messed up. And so what does she do? Instead of apologize, she finds new female friendships. And it reminds me of your frustration with Nesta and her sisters, where instead of trying to improve that relationship, she went and found other female friendships too, which is fine. Like, you know, I guess it works out in the end because everybody came and became, you know, everybody started being friendly with each other. But in that moment, that she's not like being held accountable for her actions, or she is, and she's just pissed about it. <sighs> yeah. Who are the five? So it, it, Rune, Ethan, Therian, Hunt. Oh, Cormac. And Cormac. Yeah, Cormac. And then it's just her. Like, what? Okay, so we had a listener who we love very dearly. Oh, yeah. Very dearly, very dearly. This is this is love. Um, ask us, like, you know, you you love Bryce, but we, like she you don't really criticize her. Like she's doing kind of like these things that you just kind of like gloss over, right? Like so here I got some fucking criticisms of Bryce, and I'm gonna air them the fuck out. All right. So Bryce and this, this, the comment was specific to book one. Yes, the comment yeah. was specific to to book one. And I didn't really have any problems with the way that Bryce was acting in book yeah. one. I thought everything was very in character and the, and the way that she dealt with everything was very in character. I have problems with how she's dealing with things in book two. I have problems with how the female friendships in book two are totally and utterly shat on and how she, Bryce, specifically treats Juniper like shit. She treats her like shit. Bryce is a dancer. Bryce knows dancing politics. Bryce speaks to the dancing teacher and the dancing teacher says, like, we can't really do anything here. You know, it's if we do anything, it's going to fuck her over. And then Juniper three says, don't do anything. I'm going to stick this out multiple times. It wasn't a one time thing. She says it in the she says it after the show. She says it throughout. She's like, I'm still going to wait it out. There's a different conversation where they're talking about like, you could be a principal anywhere else. Like, no, she's like, no. And, and even then she still talks about it in the end or, you know, some at some point in the first book where she, where they're like, you should be principal. And she's like, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Like, I know because the first book, it was like more about her, like, quote unquote, like her race, her shifter yeah. race. It was more like, oh, there's never been a fawn, you know? Yeah. It, it, and then, so it, so Bryce just doesn't fucking listen. She doesn't listen to her friend, tell her over and over and over again, just like, don't, don't let it be, let, it, let be. it be, let it be. So she, she doesn't listen. She, and then Bryce pulls rank to, to, to do this. And when she pulls rank, she doesn't actually think about what that means, which is really annoying to me. Like the repercussions of her actions. Oh, the consequences of my actions. Oh, look at these. Like that is not the, the like forward thinking, like, you know, couple steps ahead, Bryce, that I am used to from CC1. Like, where is that? Where is that? Like, obviously, fucking obviously. And then, um, I know I'm jumping around, but it just it just got me so very angry. The disrespect that Bryce showed to Lahaba in front of the fire sprites just like really fucking gutted me. And I did not understand that when Bryce is like, yeah, and Jess, you said it too. Like Lahaba, like kind of always told me that she was like this person. And the sprites were like, we don't fucking lie about our lineage. Yeah, like, she was really dismissive. And they were like, oh, my gosh, she was a she was a descendant of such and such, whatever the queen was. Uh, whoever Lahaba's queen was. And Bryce is like, well, that's what she said. 
Yeah, and this this part's like you should go tell our queen. They would really love to like hear that. Like we, you we are should, an ally of yeah. the, the fire, sp- right? And Bryce is just like deuces, like uh, okay, I'm busy. It was just really annoying because but book one Bryce wouldn't have done that. No, book one Bryce wouldn't have done that, and because and- like she she purchased, she bought Lahaba her freedom. So yeah. how do you go from buying somebody's freedom to to be dismissing them. Ugh. And then here's the other the other thing. You brought up the replacement friendship, which is is a thing with hypoxia and you know, you know, replacing slowly isolating by by replacing your friends with friends you know less well and you know getting farther and farther away from who you truly are. All all of that stuff. Um my problem, my problem is that we still have Danica in in this this plot she's still there she's still revealing things from like beyond the grave and stuff but instead of these reveals being like alien level like celebratory like oh my gosh yes look at this she's so clever reveals what we're getting is bryce being like oh she didn't tell me oh she didn't trust me oh my goodness not like Oh my gosh, bigger picture, bigger picture. It's, I didn't know my friend. And my friend had this mate and she didn't tell me. I'm very sad about it. And it's just like, that's not what this is. It, it's, it was very frustrating to me because book one was all about celebrating this wonderful friendship. And book two made every reveal with Danica a betrayal to Bryce, which is just kind of gross, which was also a nice word that they used a lot in this book was gross. <laughs> you you brought up a good point to me before we started recording where it wasn't fair to Danica and it's not fair to their friendship because Danica's not here to defend herself and her actions the way Danica thought bigger picture and they even quote they go you know Danica's 10 steps more like 10,000 steps ahead of everybody else and that's very much like Aelin Aelin's like ahead of her and everybody and you know and then you, you everybody sees these reveals and you're like wow wow I did not Holy shit, she she is bigger picture. You have Danica here who is bigger picture and but she's not here to defend herself. And it's really frustrating. She's not here to defend herself. She's not here to 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 kind of to fight with everybody and to be like yes, yes, yes and to to lead everybody on like Aelin would be and it and it makes it so that it it like I don't want to say tarnishes, but it kind of does. Because on top of this, you have um, uh, Hunt using like light it up, like, you know, light it up or like light it up Hunt, which is just kind of another way of like stripping away this legacy that she had with Danica and like replacing it with something else, Um, which maybe I'm just reading too much into it, you know, whatever, or I'm sensitive to it. But it just felt icky. I was talking to you about it before it even said, because I knew in my gut it was going to happen. So I knew I had to say it before I saw it, um, that it Hunt saying light it up like a battle cry. Okay, fine. But it taking away from 
her and Danica's friendship is what, and again, maybe it's just because I've self-inserted so much with Bryce and us with like their friendship and our relationship. And it's so, so similar um, with the benefit you still being alive. <laughs> um, I, I think I try to explain it as if it were you and I, and we were saying light it up. And if I had passed, Sam, our editor, <laughs> would be saying it, saying, you know what, Laura, light it up. You know that's what Jess would have wanted you to do. He, it would have been like this this uplifting thing and this beautiful, um, reminiscent thing of that of our friendship. I don't feel like he, he would never say it in a, in a way that would take away from the, the truth of it and the depth of it. Because when they say that in book one, it's very much like a, here's this reveal that nobody knew except you know, Ember and, and Randall. So I, I, I'm just, I know it's, 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 it's hard. It's hard. Okay. I, I, like I feel bad. Cause like, it sounds like we're shitting on the whole book, but there's like, but that's, instances, not, but that's not what this is. No, that's not what this is. It's just, it's just really frustrating to see this character that you really, really like kind of act out of character for a dude, which is kind of what it is. Which is kind of what it is. All right, let, let's 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 circle back. Let's circle back to a little fact that is just kind of thrown in here that I think is really funny. The starborn fae used to interbreed. <laughs> well, I mean, that's like, like like to me. I just like I don't want to say dismiss it, but that's that's royal lines. Like that happens. Absolutely. Okay, we were talking about the bust of Thur, uh, or Thur, but um, <laughs> I'm just gonna say Thor. When I think Thur, I think Thur, right Thur, like yeah, the right, Chinese Thur. song. Um. So Thur, he is a bust that Bryce has to look up in her job at the mm. Fae archives. And it is a 9,000-year-old Rhodesian bust of Thur, which I thought was just like a really interesting kind of thing. So that's like another instance of Thur. Well, I thought it was really like in chapter one, they're going through all of the sculptures at the at like the CCB or CBB, oh yeah, CCB, and they're all in the old Fae language mm-hmm. and they're, she's walking around with all of them. And this is another foreshadowing of um, Ember and Randall. They were like, well, what does this one say? What does this one say? What is this? Because only Bryce, like Bryce could read it because she had a mind, you know, some people minor in Latin. She minor in Fae. Like that's, so they were like, you really kept up with that? And she goes, it was really helpful when I worked with Jessica, which made sense. So you knew, you knew. And I mean, it's sprinkled through the whole thing too about the old Fae language, the old Fae language. And it's even... In the first book, it's brought up there, too. So then when you, you know, flash forward to the last chapter and you're like, oh, my God, like she just starts speaking like, the you know, the old Fae language and Amran is knocked on her ass. And that's when everybody was like, what the fuck? I'll circle back to that because I, I have a point to make. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I, yeah no, Again, we're, we're all over the place. We're all over the place. Um, Something that's really interesting to me that is also kind of all over the place is that Bryce's star like glows in Cormac's presence and uh, Cormac has like strange symbols on his left bicep. Um, and he says like the oracles um, of Avalon said that he and Bryce were predestined and they're destined to unite a star princess heart, you know, whatever um, together they'll bring pos- prosperity to their people. Uh, what is really interesting about this is later on um Rigelus is Rigelus when he's doing his villain monologue is like uh you <laughs> know villains and their monologues like same thing with the bone quarter you're like bro 
I know. It's just like shooting the head. Like, okay. Okay. I digress. I digress. They, you know, they have to tell us the plot. So they're, you know, they, they're monologuing, but I do believe at the end, it's in my notes, um, that, um, oh, I lost it. I lost it. Oh, that Bryce's star, um, glows between undiluted fey lines right. and that it, gl- it, that it will also, and she's like, well, it glowed in Hunt's presence too. And, um, he's like, well, yeah, it will glow in your chosen knights as well. And I think that is where people are like, oh, maybe they're Karanom. Um, but you know, I don't really think that, uh, but I thought that was really interesting. That little, um, thing that Rigelis says there. So, and also, that um, Bryce can actually take her star out. Like, she, she's, like, took hers, like, physically out of her body. Oh, I didn't realize that. I don't yeah. think I picked up on that. In CC1, she, like, took it, oh, like, physically, like, out that. of her body. Yeah. But but here, everybody is like, oh, the Asteri, like, you know, where did they get their stars? Like, can they, what, blah, 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 about that. And um, I, I just think it is a, a fair point to say that, like, Bryce can physically take hers out, but the other Asteri, like, we, you know, of course, you know, we know um, that <laughs> they are. <laughs> no. Say it. No. Say it! <laughs> the Asteri are. No, I'm just going to say. Why don't you say the word that's I'm gonna used? Say, yeah, no, I'm going to say what's on page, but I'm going to say what's on page. The Asteri are, quote, intergalactic parasites, unquote. Um, so <laughs> that travel through space and time using wormholes. <laughs> So, so, like, if we're on planet Earth, how would, like, an intergalactic parasite, like, how would, like, talk to me, talk to me as this is, like, Crescent City for dummies? They're not in aliens. They're not, they're not aliens. No. <laughs> they're not aliens. It's just, it, it's just too funny. It's just too funny. It's, it's just too funny. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get into it. Okay, so let's circle back to Danica. So one of the reveals that we get from Danica is that Danica, um, her email was like Banshee fan, like 66, which I thought was really funny. But Danica knew Sophie and they, um, that Danica was the one that sent Sophie into the Asteri, um, archives or whatever to learn the truth, um, that Danica was on because Danica was like on it. She knew what was going on. Uh, she just needed probably like confirmation and to like find out what was in there, right? Right. Like, so, so Danica did that, um, and and that whole plot is that Sophie and Danica and the rebel plot. We haven't talked about the rebels yet, and the rebels. All of that is mixed in with Emil, which is Sophie's brother, and trying to find him, and that's how all of that kind of is connected. Quick question before it slips my mind. I'm sorry. So, you know, when we find those papers in the coffee table that Ethan breaks, do we think that Danica hid those papers because she was scared because all of a sudden she dropped the research like there was a threat? Or do we think she put them there thinking long term because Bryce said she makes a comment of, oh, I didn't even know they were in there. Like this whole thing was furnished before I got here. Like, do you think that Danica was, again, thinking 10,000 steps ahead, like hoping like this would dump? Yes, because Danica didn't live in that apartment. Danica lived with Bryce in the other apartment. Okay. So yeah, I think she like stashed him there okay. uh, when, when she realized that things were like going to shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. 
That is absolutely what I think. Uh, Hunt has an affinity for machines and electricity. That is like a, th- is a thing. <laughs> that is a thing. Is it related to the Thunderbird thing? I think so. I think so. Uh, I just, it's just like two on the nose for me with the Thur stuff too. Oh yeah. I also think, and I don't know if, and we kind of touched on this, but I'm just like kind of putting it out there for whoever decides to listen. Um, if he's also some sort of shifter, like a fae, because we talk about the mates, we talk about the shifters, we talk about the definitions, but then Mordok in like the end of the book, he, they're like, they're talking about everybody and Mordok says, you know, and we're talking about the sense and we know all the sense and the connections and everything. And he goes, yeah, but there, there's, he says something about, yeah, he's an angel or something, but not like any other angel I've scented and more. And we know because of like the he's a bloodhound, just like Danica in the sire line. We know he can sniff it out. So right. he's sniffing something. He isn't sure what. So that's what makes me like, is he some sort of fae or like or you? I, we, we can't go down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. I know we. We cannot go down that rabbit hole. That's a whole different conversation that Laura and I, we were like spiraling from earlier, um, maybe at a later date. But there's that Prithian connection. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to talk about very briefly the fact that there is a 15,000-year-old human civilization in the bottom of the ocean and that we have a lot of mentions of the Ocean Queen and her kind of uh, situation with the river queens the rivers are named the rivers are given colors and i do believe all of that is important for the next book yeah but why dive into it now yeah but it was like an info dumping for this book but it's important to mention now yeah right yeah yeah we acknowledge it yeah we acknowledge and we move on um okay okay I have an issue with Tristan Flynn. He's mentioned a lot in this book. He has like a very kind of um, major, minor, if you know what I mean, plot line throughout this book. His character specifically. Yeah, his character specifically. He's interacting with everybody. He is, um, you know, around for all of the big stuff. He's at the party. He's doing all the things. Um, I got a sinister kind of weird vibe. And I don't know if I'm alone in that, but that is absolutely what what I got from him. Is it because of the book or is it because of the extra chapter? Like Laura and I, we have all the chapter, like we have all the copies and everything. So we so we were able to see all these background things. So is it something one or the other or is it like a book between both of them? It's just everything. Like he was just so aware of everything. And and uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I am just being like really paranoid. But that is that is just something that I um, am interested in because it is mentioned several times here when like Rune and like Declan and like Flynn and stuff are all talking about how like difficult it is for Faye to change and how like immortality you know is is hard all 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 this stuff um looking at my notes and it's like the previous comment of Faye don't change um and 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 also the the comment that um uh flynn talks when he's drunk and and they they go into um like detail about that about how like Flynn talks when he's drunk about stuff oh when they were like we can't tell you or something and they were like you're loose-lipped yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, like, all of this kind of put together, I was just like, mm, I don't like where this is going. Th- this whole, this whole weird thing. Um, 
So, and then I'm looking at my notes again, and it says like uh, coffee table papers. So it's, those are like Danica's college papers about first light, origins of worlds, and what the Asteri really are. If they are stars from heaven, if they are fallen stars, dusks, truth, all of that. Um, I want to save the Asteri until the end. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Daybright. Oh, I like that. Well, I can tell you, I did not think it was the hind. I did not think it was the hind. Uh, I had texted you. I was like, it's Hypaxia. Then I was like, "Mm, it's Celestina. Then I had my crackhead theory of, oh my God, I know it's not possible, but how great would it be if it's Danica? Like somehow her spirit is still like, which I still think would have been like a fun, I don't know how it could have worked, but like we've talked about how marketing brainstorming sessions work. That would have been a fun, like throw it out there, do something with it. Cause I really, I still really like that concept. Um, then when, uh, then when the, they're, they're at the wedding, Calistina's wedding with Ephraim and they're going to meet at midnight or whatever. And I don't see anybody. I go like, I have in my notes, I go, watch it be Sabine. I'm going to lose my shit if it's Sabine. Cause I was like, it, it can't be Amelie. But the reason I thought it was Sabine also was because whenever Daybright was getting pulled out of like her mind connection and like the person was being aggressive with her, I thought it was Murdoch because, um, because everybody like joked around like who would fuck Sabine? Like who's dealing with that? So, and like how aggressive he was, that's where I was like, that's where my mind went. I did not think it was behind slash Lydia at all until once we realized Laura's like Sarah and her names and Lydia Dia in Spanish is day. So it's like literally right there the whole time. And they made it a point and they made it a point at the beginning of the book say not just giving us the names, but telling us uh, Queen Hecuba had two daughters, Hypaxia and Lydia. Like, it was all, you know, when you go back on, you know how it is with Sarah's work. You go back on it and you're like, oh. I have here dim light of Bryce's star when she blows Hunt. Uh, I didn't need the, like, detail of of her blowing Hunt. But, you know, the spice level was oh, nice here. Oh, you didn't having her drip anything down her mouth and play with it between your, her hands? That didn't do it for you? Not quite. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Not quite my thing. <laughs> it is what it is. The spice level here was good. I liked I enjoyed the spice. It was fine, but I don't care for Hunt in that way. So it didn't do it for me. Same. I do appreciate that it wasn't always about the sex, though. You know how sometimes whenever, like, with Akasif... Love me some Cassian, do not get me wrong. Um, it became all about the smut. I liked where, what was the example that I gave you earlier? Oh, when they were at Calistina's wedding, and at some point, Bryce is like, okay, like she says to Hunt, like, whatever, whatever, your highness. And he goes, really, your highness? I thought you only called me that in bed. And she goes, and she did when she was like riding him the other night that you're like, you're my fucking prince. And, but then that was it. It was just a, that's what she said. Okay, carry on into the story and the plot. That's like, and I think this goes back to not everything we read has to be like full on smut. If I want smut, I'll find some smut. Yeah, and that, but the smut level was 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 fine here. I had no problem with the smut level. I did 
skip a few of them. I appreciate the consent, no matter who it was, whether it was like consent all the way through. And I know that sounds like a the bar is on the floor, but like that's the world we unfortunately live in at this moment that we have to normalize it. So it is something that we could praise and talk about. So it doesn't feel like this, like, oh, my God, it happened. Uh, tell me, tell me about Apollyon. He's the prince of like the seventh layer of hell. Can we say, or, or maybe that's like the end of the book. Hell isn't what we think hell is. This whole time, and especially if, like, definitely if you're traditionally reading this, hell is H-E-L. And, like, if we're listening, you're also thinking, like, okay, it's probably our idea of hell, as in, like, us listeners, readers, um, are thinking of it as hell in, like, the biblical sense, I guess. This is hell the planet. It's a planet. It's a world. There's seven. This whole time, this whole time, it's not, like, this underworld thing it's not an afterlife thing did, did i miss this like or am i like the last person who got the memo <laughs> i don't know i i don't know i don't know i think it was like briefly kind of hinted at in the first book so when it was confirmed here i was just like yeah okay but that is another thing that annoyed me though when bryce was when um apollyon is like you know the uh was it apollyon he's like the the armies of hell will answer to you bryce yeah, Hell's army shall strike at your command, Bryce Quinlan. Yeah, and Bryce is like, oh, why aren't you like, yo, explain, <laughs> right? Right, like she gets so, I feel like, I feel like she tries to be like, ooh, you know, just like she did in the first book where she's like, okay, big bad Umbra Mortis, like that's her defense mechanism. So I don't know if that's what she's doing in that moment to be like, Instead okay. of being like, I have a question. Right, like Poppy would. Poppy yeah. would be like, wait. Make it make sense. Yeah, I'd be like, wait, are you going to take over? Because I feel like we get a little bit of that exposition because he's like, you know, uh, my father was the void, existed before chaos. You know, my bride is this. We return to them, you know. And then he says, like, Hunt is wasting his gifts, like all, all this, like we, like this stuff. But we get some of that. But it's also like, you know, the, the armies will answer. It's like, but like I'm not invading the place I already live. So like, what are you invading for? The questions are not being asked, and they should. And be. that was a problem you had. You were like, ask the questions. Like we, the reader, might be asking. Yeah, like ask, ask, ask the questions. Um, well, those were like questions that there. I have a quote. Uh, and they're questions that Danica were asking, which is why she hid the papers. And Therian brings that up again. What's the quote? What was this world before the Asteri? Ancient humans and their gods dwelled here. And where did the Asteri come from? Where did the Fae come from? Where or are the shifters or the angels? Like, direct quote. He's asking the questions. And everyone's just kind of like, mm. philosophical. Instead of like, yo, But he's though. asking the questions that Danica was that got her into like what, like the shit. Yeah, it just, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, the whole thing, okay, so let's pivot. The whole thing with the Reapers and the Star Sword, uh, is kind of like touched on, but like, but, but I'm bringing this up because I really like how Rigelus like shits on everybody and Rigelus is like, yo, you didn't even like look that hard. You didn't even yeah. try that hard. Like, what, why, why are you so fucking shocked to be here? Like, you did nothing. <laughs> what was the connection? And I and I reread it, and I'm trying to see where. Remember where he's like, "Your your Adis would be very disappointed that I tricked you." When did Rigelus 
pretend that he was Adis? Was he visiting Bryce's dream or visiting Hunt's dream? Because it was like, because they said like, when you visit me at night, visited me at night. I, my, my, my note question is, when Adis appeared, it wasn't really Adis, but Rigelus, question mark? That was I, my- I thought it was when Adis uh, appeared as the cat. And and oh, Ethan was like, Ellen, "Oh my god, was this one of the birds?" And of the they're cat? all openly talking all because, oh, uh, when they're all openly talking, and Bryce and Hunt just think it's Adis. Yeah, that's what I thought because that's why neither of them are surprised because neither of them are surprised. They're like, "Oh, Adis visited." They're both like, "Oh shit, that wasn't eight. That wasn't okay. Uh, that was that was that, that was then." I yeah. thought so. He took so. Rigelus took Adis's form as a cat, not Rigelus, not Adis's form as a human. I'm not sure we'll have to reread it, but I, <sighs> but we do know that he did take his form. Yeah. Um, somebody else taking taking form. Uh, Cormac can winnow. Let's call it what it is. Cormac can yeah. winnow. Uh, something that I'm annoyed about. Cormac Bryce is like, yeah, like teach me, teach me how to do it. Teach me how to do it. We have like one training scene of of Bryce trying to like figure out how to winnow she can't do it but then she goes and fucks Hunt and winnows all over after she orgasms like okay okay but that is that is building to a later point that I want to make um <sighs> yeah you know you know you know you know exactly, you know exactly exactly what I am going to talk about um uh, what I'm going to talk about are the under king right now. I do like this confirmation that they have, or no confrontation okay. that is happening at the um in the bone quarter with the under king. I like that the under king is like a ten foot tall like corpse with jewels for eyes. Tell me why I was thinking like, is this a relative of the surreal? What? <gasps> I could not oh, but he's not shake a messy it. bitch. Like he's a mean I messy know. bitch. He, but but he like not the cereal, the bone, the bone. Yeah, 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 the the the, the under king. king. Uh, but I just it was just so funny. Like they he kept like talking. And I was just like, oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. I see you. But then again, I was just like, is this just like again? Is this just a Easter egg? Is this just lazy writing? But then I don't know. I, now I know nothing. Um, but <laughs> but I do like that, and I do like what he tells us too. Um, he, uh, the under king here tells us that he long ago he emerged, he made himself king, he's not evil. Oh, because you can't like death isn't evil, it's not yeah. one thing or the other, it's just, it just death. is, yeah, right. And you know, reapers came from hell, um, you know, so did vampires. Reapers chose to stay on Midgard. Uh, who's to say? And then he's saying, like, who's to say that those reapers were mine? They can travel all over, there's many necropolises, um. Uh, and then he talks about like Kathona's like dark crown and stuff. Oh, and then, and then we get the first major bomb fucking drop. I, I think is the under king saying that like, I eat souls. And when you die, it's the second light situation that we have here. Right. Uh, you know, nutritious, nutritious first light. Uh, the princes of hell worship the void, but the under king only wants power and life nutritious first life as the souls pass through the dead gate he he like takes bites of of them and the souls pass through the dead gate and they funnel through um he takes bites of the first light before the first light travels through what we now know to charge the asteri yeah 
And then he goes on to say that uh, everybody in society built rituals to explain the, this situation. And that's why the boats sail and like all of that stuff. Now, I love a good religion dismantling. I am, you know, the black witch. That is my that's shit. shit. Yeah. I love taking down a religion from the inside. Um, I really enjoyed this plot. This is the plot that no one's fucking talking about. And I enjoy the shit out of this. You're very good at like picking up the the religious context. And I'm sure like it's not only is it something you're passionate about, but you literally have a degree in it. But I think like you pick up on those nuances in any religious undertone because you've like you have the degree to be like, here you go. Like I studied this like, you know it and you you pick up on it and you gravitate towards that fucking interesting because they're they're saying that like society all of society all of them like all of them because they all do this all the all the species on the planet do this they all do the sailing they created this to disguise the horror of what is happening um and that the souls like stay in the bone quarter for a certain amount of time until they're forgotten and then they are fed through they, they, uh, I think Bryce equates it as like a meat grinder of souls, and then they're like funneled out. Um, you know, they're all they're all funneled. They're funneled to the Eternal City. It's like they're squee and they're squeezing out every last bit of soul left, and they only they don't do it right away. They do it when like people have forgotten them. Yeah. So that way, so which is why she's so upset when they're like, uh, they just moved up the the packs pack of devils like they move so like we're still remembering them and they're not going to be there yeah which like fuck like during a grieving process that would fuck with a lot of people and then um there's a really great line here it says you know we believe we are free we believe we are powerful and you're mortal but we're all slaves and you know that's talking about like they're all slaves to the Asteri because no matter and that is something that I found really interesting too that they say later on in the book that like even the rebels that are like fighting against the Asteri the Asteri do not give a single shit because every time a rebel dies they just get more powerful so like fucking fight who cares they're like but they're everybody is so nobody nobody knows the bigger truth that's what it is so everybody is just blind to this all but but that's like that happens a lot with like like you said like with religious themes with political themes you don't see it because people are just so focused on you know or not maybe not even focused we have the we have the three-headed dog here too at the dead gate I thought, yeah i put severus yeah severus is like oh hello hello sweet boy uh we get another thor a third situation hunt says light it up uh let's let's just let's just go let's just go ahead let's just go ahead and talk about it get it out of the way i have a fucking problem with bryce not being able to use her power unless she is quote leveled up unquote by somebody else and in a lot of instances it is hunt why can she not be powerful on her own why no i don't care that they're a team i don't care that they have to work together let a woman be powerful on her own two comments to that one she directly says that she doesn't like it because she's like i'm a strong powerful female like independent she says i'm an independent female that is the line and then they're like oh and then hunt's like oh can it be romantic like we're a team to what your husband, our editor, goes, how is it a team if it doesn't work the other way around? Yeah, she can't. You like, 
Oh my God. It is so frustrating. And this is a criticism that we've had of Sarah in the past too. Like just, just let, just let it, it unless, yeah. unless she like learns, you know, unless it's like a growth situation in book three, then I will come back and, you know, but uh, right now. Well, and, and, what, and what's the quote? Power attracts power. It is her fate to be tied to a powerful male to match her own strength. So like, okay, they could have, and th- there's even the line of them being conduits or something. So that's fine. Okay. We'll admit that they're mates. We'll admit all this stuff. Her star born power could be different than Hunt's electric lightning power, but they're still just as equally strong. But it doesn't feel that way as of this book because she needs him to be ample. And, you know, and maybe, and she's like, maybe it's just her being an amplifier because it's not just him. Like she still needs hypaxia when they're fighting the other, like the demons and stuff. So there's that too. Um, but either way, she's, like the, but maybe that just opens up more questions. Is it because she's still doing her training? Is it still because she's not strong enough? Because even now, Cormac, he's trained and he can't, like, he gets exhausted winnowing and he's doing the steps. Whereas we know from our Prithian Fae, when they're winnowing, more straight up took Feyre out of the spring court to, you know, to, to the night court. So we know it's possible. It's just, it's, uh, I don't know. I have, I just have a lot of questions. Just let women be powerful. Just let women be powerful. You know, she's a conduit. She's an amplifier. Okay, whatever. We're in the Grisha verse. Like, that's fine. But I just, I just, mm, you know, mm, that's all I have to say. That's all I have to say. <laughs> um, Ethan has a really nice plot here. We're not really talking about Ethan. Ethan, uh, is a lone wolf. He's kicked out of the pack. He lives with Bryce. He's comic relief. He breaks the tension there with her and Hunt before they're fucking. And then a little bit after. Rune is so he, good with him. He's so good with him. He moves in with Rune. And then Ethan, uh, finds, uh, an alpha mystic, you know, there's just who's so. Fendier. Who, who's the lost fender heir. I mean, you know, these are just like huge plot bombs. There's just so much here. Um, but like, holy crap. Holy crap. All of, the, all of this for Ethan. He's such a, you were saying like, it is hard to forgive him for like the way that he let everybody treat him. But like, he's also going through his own shit that is yeah. clearly like shown to us in this book. And, and at the same time, even Bryce says, you know, she goes, he might have isolated me. He might have treated me like this, but I was doing the same thing to him through her grief. And, her, you know, it's like I go back and forth with my frustration because it'd be hard to me forgive him. So I do like that Rune and, and Hunt were being like alpha holes about it to just to protect like their sister and their significant other. Like I do appreciate that. I understand that it comes from a place of love. They just don't want her to go through that again. Con- uh, I was going to say Connor Ethan's going through it. He's having his own self-identity crisis, just like Therian. So they're kind of similar in that. And even Therian's like, look, now you're in this shit with us. Might as well tell you the truth because we're all going to fucking die. And Connor's even having like every, it- it's like, Grief is never a straight line. Uh, the process of grieving is never a straight line. And uh, nobody tells you that unless you've gone through it. And he goes through it all over again when he realizes that it, you know, Micah was the one who killed. Like, he didn't even know the truth about how his brother died, how his pack died, how Danica died. And he's like, again, then he's like going through the process and being like, I was a fucking idiot. I, how dare I accuse 
Bryce of not loving my family as much as I do. She literally killed an archangel for them as a human. He was even like, how the fuck was that even possible? Like, I, I do appreciate that. And Therian just being like, you know what? We're going to, here you go. You might as well know you're in it with us now. You're like part of the cadre. And that, that word is said in this book. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Uh, I'm skipping around here. There's just like so much. Um, there's a lot. There, there's a lot. There's a lot. I said my notes say you sexting you phone bro- <laughs> you. Uh, but, okay. Okay. Yeah, the sexting. But let's good on hunt. Sex positive. Not, yeah. Sex good positive. on hunt to be sex positive and that he wasn't intimidated by her sex toys yep. because like he's like good for him. Yeah. Yeah. I just. <laughs> Yeah. I know. I know. Uh, so let's pivot to the history of the wolves. Let's pivot to let's pivot to Jessica. We haven't really talked about Jessica. I don't no. like the way that Bryce treats Jessica in this book. She only calls Jessica when she needs her. Jessica obviously knows way more of what's going on. I feel like it is a missed opportunity to cultivate this kind of situation with Jessica. And um Jessica telling Bryce to like look at all the footage of Danica and like watch what she was doing in there also feeds into the weird betrayal kind of thing that I've been talking about with Danica every time that she's brought up. But at least here we get some payoff. You know, we get um, Danica was looking at the history of the wolves and the family tree, uh, the bloodlines. And then we have Gunther. Um and then Nicholas Fendir and Ferris, what is it? Havelin? Havelin, the, yeah. yeah that's how the I first know. of the line. And then we have Katra Fendir. Uh, it's just interesting. Like, Danica really knew what the fuck she was on. And I, I love, I still, I still fucking love that. Um, so we're talking about the wolves. Let's talk about Bryce going to visit the Prime and what the Prime tells Bryce. In regards to their history? Yeah, because it directly ties into, like, the end, which is, like, where we're heading. Oh, about how that their history isn't necessarily in the books because of, like, how they came over. And, like, the the, the lines of the shifters. Um, there's a line where it's, like, Midgar shifters were fae from another planet. All the fae and the world shared their form with an animal. And it's really just... Oh, how nothing is documented. It all had to go through word of mouth because and he was believing that Danica thought that he could bring that she would be the one to bring them back to how it used to be. And that how the prime has this um, oral history passed down through father to father about how um, in the first wars, they yielded their true nature to the Asteri and they lost oh. it forever. And that ever since then, they've lived under the collar of the Asteri. They've lost what they could have been. And they've become the Asteri's creatures inside and out. And that Danica trusted nobody but Bryce, which is like the really only reassurance we have here that Danica like is not like betraying Bryce. And Bryce is just kind of like blah, blah, blah about it, which I find really interesting. She keeps dismissing everybody with like between like the fire sprites and just kind of like. I feel like it's going to be payoff for us as the readers who are picking up on this. To be like, why? See, you shouldn't know. Because, again, we know Sarah doesn't give us this information unless there's going to be a payout, a payoff later. I just want to briefly touch on the fire sprites and the dragon. To me, we got names. Like- yeah, we have very, very little personality. <laughs> they were like brooming uh, with Rune and everybody. And then, you know, the sprites are still there. I, it's just, you know, the dragon is in flame and shadow. Um 
you know, that, that whole, the, the whole, the whole, the whole subplot. The, the whole thing with Pippa too and the Pacific Rim, like armor suits, you know, whatever. Uh, hunt blowing them up, you know, whatever. Can I say something that is just annoying to me about that whole situation? He's going on and on explaining what the mech, the mech suit is to the villain, to the villain. Why, why does anybody do that? Why, even if he knew how powerful they were, why wouldn't he just be dismissive about it? Be like, oh, huh. It doesn't work the way it used, it worked for me. Why, why do we have to be truthful to the villain? Just like when the villains are info dumping to us. And they, you know, we always hear like, oh, the reason that they're only, the villains always like telling us the whole plot is because they don't expect us to to get out of here alive. If you're quote unquote, like team fuck you and team, you know, why are you voluntarily giving that information? It is. Yeah, it is really, it is really, really frustrating. I just, I just don't understand. It's like, yes, let's please give away everything. And then, and, and then he's just like, okay, let's just blow everything up while we're standing right fucking next to it and be really surprised. Like, I just, I just, okay, okay. Let's call attention to us even more. Yeah. That, that, that whole, that whole situation. Okay. Whatever. Uh, but they're, they're rescued by the ocean. They're rescued by the hind. They're rescued by the hind. Um, you know, she's a bad bitch. I love her. I yeah. love her. She, yeah, it is her, her character is very interesting because we know that she's done like really bad shit, but we know that she's like in the cause and we know that her and Ray, her, her and Rune are mates and they have all of this like, this like mind sex going on. I really love that whole situation. I loved it. I respect her too. Not only is she like, she, like you said, she's part of the cause. She sees the bigger freaking picture because even when she puts the Gorsian, the Gorsian handcuffs on Bryce, she doesn't put them tight. When they get, when they quote unquote escape, she knows that she's like, you have to make it look like I, I lost. Like I, we cannot. She knows like right now she is, she is, she's going to be like maybe how, this is too early, but like maybe how Elide was like that, that key player or like Caltane or Lysandra, like she's going to be one of the, I just, I feel because, I, you know, I was like, what the hell is going on when I first read Throne of Glass? And then how pivotal, because right now, everybody that who we know is quote, like fighting the cause the Asteri have are in another world. Like everybody's tied up doing something and she's the only, she's, yeah. I don't want to say like watermark timestamp or whatever, but that I, she's a bad bitch. I love her. I agree. I agree. Okay. There's just so much. I know. I know. There's so much. (laughs) Celestina and Hypaxia are a thing. Okay. Okay. Um, Something I want to point out. Hunt denies that he has a foot fetish. I find that really interesting. I feel like Sarah listened to all of our critiques about Hunt, like liking toes and stuff and being like, I'm going to fix this. So Hunt says like, I, everything about you, Bryce, is a fetish for me. So he does. Which is sweet. Okay, which is like sweet. That. Which is sweet. Rune too. Rune too. He's because, you know, when he's doing the talk with like Agent Day, he, she's like, are you like not a dominant? And he goes, no, He he's like. I'm into whatever my partner, that man, that man, 
We should know. We should know, though. He's yeah. literally related to he's, to he's related to Reese. And like, when like, you think of like, remember the sauna scene in Akafas? And he's like, "Oh, are you into that, Feyre?" And she's like, "I thought you didn't like to share." And he's like, "I'm into whatever you're." Th- oh, that was oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to look at my notes. Uh, we have this. We have this whole situation about like Adis and Thea were a thing. So that that's nice. Uh, there's a line that says Orion was bred, which is just dropped there and not picked up again. I want to revisit that maybe in the next book. Uh, another thing, Dragonfire can burn the princes of hell. That will be interesting. Um, oh, what, what else do I have here? Oh, okay. So Baxian and Danica being mates. Sabine knew they had two years together. Um, Danica, like, sniffed him out. He was the last, like, descendant of the bloodline. It wasn't intentional. They were just, like, at some summit. Like, some whatever. So- oh, because it was, like, a- she went in place of Sabine. Whatever political summit she had to go to. Yeah. And she was doing her history on wolves. Yeah. Like, wolf packs. And she realized that, like, he's a shif- he's a dog shifter, but not a wolf. And that made her curious or something. And she, she wanted, she was... Danica wanted a replacement for Sabine, so she was researching the bloodlines. Oh. Uh, so she was, and that's how you know all of that that happened. And then Baxian, so th- th- I'm bringing this up because Baxian is the one that knows Sophie's code, uh, and Sophie is confirmed dead. Sophie the Thunderbird, Sophie who can- carved a code into her arm as she was drowning, and this is the key pivotal part. So Baxian recognizes this code because he has. Uh, through Love All is Possible, tattooed on his neck because he's Danica's mate. And through all of this situation, everybody decides to go to the Eternal City and go through the door that is the what the symbols mean um, in, in, the internal, in the Eternal City. I can't remember. I can't remember. And this isn't... T- this is kind of... Is Baxian caught as one of... Yes. The people, oh, he is caught. So yeah. he's, he's found. Yeah, he's, he's not yeah, part he's of, out. okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of my notes is there's a lot of nipple kissing in this book. <laughs> uh, I just want to put that out there. Um, I, okay. <laughs> uh, Cormac, Cormac, um, blows himself up. I think it's important to note that. Uh, okay. Now we are at the last, we're at like chapter 71 onward. So this is the, this, these are the big reveals. Okay. This episode's going long. I know this. It's actually still shorter than our currently our Kingdom of Ash and Clockwork Princess episode. We're not done yet. <laughs> okay, so so Bryce is completely and utterly isolated at this point. Juniper is not talking to her. Fury is kind of ignoring mm-hmm. with her. She has not spoken to her mother or her par- like her parents in a while. They don't know what is going on. She they're doing the postcard thing though. This is after. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. This is uh so um so what does Bryce do? Bryce calls and leaves a message for Juniper and then she takes the picture of the four of them mm-hmm. and puts it into her phone case. Okay. She is totally alone. She has Rune and Hunt and then she has what? Declan on uh tech. Yeah. So that's it. And they go into the Eternal City and Cormac like windows and then Cormac has his own thing with Therian. Okay. Okay. They're in the Eternal City. This is where we get all of the fucking reveals. What are the reveals? The reveals 
are that the Asteri feed on first light and power themselves up on it like fucking batteries, right? That is the first level of the reveal. Radulus at 45%. It's perfect. <laughs> perfect. That's absolutely, absolutely perfect. So that, so that is the first reveal that we are, that everybody in Midgard is like food for the Asteri and that they are the overlords and that they've constructed a system to feed them and like give them power, not once, but twice through first light and second light. Okay. That's the first reveal. After that, Bryce goes down a hallway and she sees dawn, midnight, midday, and dusk. She sees all of these doors and dusk is in the center. And she's like, dusk, dusk. That's what Danica was talking about, dusk. So she goes through dusk. What does she learn in the dusk room? In the dusk room, she learns that basically the Asteria are aliens and they use first light for power. They conquer worlds and suck them dry. <laughs> And she knows, like, you know, she's like, Dusk, Dusk's truth. Like, she's going through the emails. She's going through. But then we're also finding out that in the background of all of this information, you have an Isle of Near Permanent Twilight, the homeworld of her. Because now we're, know we're knowing about Fae. We're knowing about Fae shifters. We know they're coming from other planets. And it says an Isle of Near Permanent Twilight, the homeworld of her breed of Fae. Because you find out that the starborn Fae are from, like, this island. Um, what's the direct? Your starborn bloodline specifically hailed from a small isle a few miles from the mainland. And while the mainland had a, all manner of climbs, the isle existed in a beautiful near permanent twilight. Twilight. And my note was like dust court. And then goes an isle of near permanent twilight, the homeworld of her breed of fae, a land of dusk. Then dusk's truth. And she's going in. She finds like digital versions of the orrery that her biological father has in his office and she sees again with the astronomer and the mystics so also what we learn here which is also so fucking interesting is um hell as a planet uh was like tried to be conquered by the asteri and hell rose up right so um hell tried to save midgard 15,000 years ago so Midgard was conquered in 17,003, and it is ideal. Uh, it says human life was not sustainable. And then, so what did they do? They opened up the gates. The Fae didn't recognize the Asteri, you know, whatever. So all these gates are open in, like, the world or whatever. And the Asteri lured all of these different, like, species of Fae into Midgard because it's, like, a base, right? Um, and... While they were doing this, they were also out like trying to conquer other worlds. So they, so hell, the Asteri lost hell in 1701. It says hell saw through the lures. They, uh, the Asteri abandoned hell and hell said, fuck you. Mm -hmm. Followed them in 1702. Uh, and, but in 1703, the war ended. Uh, hell made attachments to Thea. And this is what my highlight is. The demon princes had a moral obligation to save Midgard. Uh, and a moral obligation is kind of like an undercurrent of um, what is going on in this book because Therian and Bryce have an argument about morals outside of the mystics. And Ethan also has um, kind of a moral conflict too about leaving um, the, alpha, the alpha in the mystics. So uh, morals is kind of interesting here. But I find that really interesting 
because of what Rodulus says when he catches Bryce in all of this. Rodulus says, we are gods. It is not our fault that what we eat is inconvenient for you. And I was just like, yo, that's some fucked up reasoning, bro. Like, damn. Damn. But I'm thinking like vampires say it's, you know, it's just like a higher level. It's just something, it's just worse. You know, it's just like way fucking worse. I just like this whole stuff. Like it feels a constant, like, yeah, it's info dumping, but it's not info dumping in the sense that you can gloss over and return to later. Like it's, it's the plot. It's all been leading up to this. I mean, even the starborn ancestors. Oh, and then when we're talking about how they were defeated and, you know, because they were talking about like, oh, well, here's this other fae that they were, they were eating out of the palm of our hands, like fish to bait. And they said the starborn ancestors eventually, you know, because you know, they did lose like to hell, um, shut the gates to stop us from invading their realm once more, because that's what they were going to do. They were going to go back to where all the like all the shifter phase came from Midgard. So now we're assuming that the shifter phase that were like, hey, yeah, like we'll totally come to to Midgard. They wanted to go back there, but after like all the bullshit, the Starborn ancestors shut the gates to stop us from invading their realm once more and reminding who oh, and reminding who their true masters are. They shut the gates to all of the worlds, including those to hell. And now we know that hell isn't the hell that we're you know the biblical hell. But as a planet. So, so, and this is Rigel is talking. So we have been trapped here, cut off from the cosmos, all that is left of our people. And yeah. I, my note is very throne of glass and Akatar was my note. Well, yeah, because the next line is to, uh, you know, we're going to go back and undo the actions of an ignorant princess made 15,000 years ago. Which is Queen Thea or Thea, right? No. Well, it, we don't it know. It sounded to me like Elena. Oh, I am not going. Like we're there. not going to touch that. We're not uh, going there. Can I can like I just feel like we open up a whole thing if we start talking about theories because we know not related to Elena. Talk about Thea has two daughters, Helena, and then one that got away. It's just there. I'm not going to say we don't know. I'm just saying it's just it's just information that was like bloop. Yep. Yep. Then we have, yeah, and then we have everything. Um, yeah, the interesting, uh, the, the, the pointed ears are, were bred out of the twilight, like dusk fae, uh, by the Asteri. I thought that was really interesting. And then he also says, um, the, you know, Midgard shifters are probably from like Throne of Glass, you know, um, Otterland. Animal fae once together, but alone enough to develop their own gifts. Um, at the, and then the Asteri made, Fay the two species at odds like against each other against each other and then they you know that they left so in midgard they left the humans there they lured all of the veneer there they left the humans there to give the veneer something to like do and then the asteri just like overlord all of them and feed on all of them it's it's, it's like very like fucking corrupt um so then rajulis admits that he set up to kill danica he set it all in motion um uh, the Danica's dad says that Hunt doesn't smell like an angel. Like mm-hmm. back to what you said, he calls him a noble bastard. Uh, I want to know what the Hunt whispers to, or what the Hind whispers to Bryce, probably about her shackles, but I don't know. Right. 
That's what I was thinking, the shackles. Yeah. Uh, Bryce says that they need to destroy the core of First Light underneath the uh, Quartz Palace, and that will, you know, destroy everything. And Rigel is like, stop talking. So, like, obviously, that'll be the... Well, oh, yeah, he, yeah, he was like, you think, what are you trying to do? Tell your friends what you discovered? Like, yeah, that, that's exactly what yeah. she's trying to do. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what she's trying to do. My theory here is that um, Rune dropped the uh, beacon stone that he was using to contact the hind into Bryce's pocket and that she yeah. has that when she goes through the gates. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, and then, okay, Jess, you had tears with this. Yeah, I had, I had tears. I didn't, cr I cried at two parts in the book. I don't know how everybody else has been reading this. I cried in the last chapter because I was so overwhelmed and so happy and just like I said, it was like a return to my friends. Um, but I cried with her, like, even though we know, like, we're going to see Rune again. Um, I wasn't upset about the goodbye, quote unquote, with Hunt. I was upset about her goodbye with Rune. Um because I just love their relationship. I love, like, I have, I, I've been open about it. Like, I have a, my own strained relationship with my siblings, not for lack of trying. So it was just very much so beautiful that they've come so far from when they finally, you know, when they first met when they were 13 and then their fight. And then I just, I love the growth of their, their friendship and their relationship and like how you, you hear some sibling relationships. I love that rune was finally truthful about his um like his like what the oracle said to him that he was he's like and then he was just like the defense mechanism of why do you think i partied so hard like of course i had fun with life like i'm the last person of our bloodline like the bloodline ends with me which is its own thing that we could spiral into for a different episode because i have my own theories there um again whole other thing um but I just love their, like, that was what, but again, but th that, that reminded me of book one, Bryce. It was like the first time I felt like this is book one, Bryce. Yeah. In a, in a, in a while. I think that, that talking it out, maybe that's what it was also. Yeah, no, I agree. That, that was also the first time I felt like any true emotion besides like kind of, uh, yeah, it was really good, really good. Um, and then she runs runs through the portal um where does everybody expect her to go because i thought it was very clear that she was not going to be going to hell i don't i thought but like that's what we had this conversation where they made a comment they like literally riotulous just said we hell isn't the focus we need we our, our plans are to go back to the world that gave us like that, that were kind of um, naive, I guess you could say, and helping us the first time. So she goes back there. Yeah, so she goes back. I don't. I don't know. I. I don't know. I, is that a conversation that people are having? Like they think they thought she was good. Like, how, like the question of how she ended up. Because then, oh, you know, in Throne of Glass, where Selena goes through the gate. Not Throne of Glass. Crown of Midnight, where she goes through. Like, is is that a type of gate also when she falls? I think you're right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Probably. I don't know. So, like, I feel like that's how, in my mind, I imagined the portal because she does it in Crown of Midnight when she first, like, you know, when Selena shifts into like mm -hmm. her alien form, and then, and then it happens again when she's 
goes through that other gate when she's sacrificing herself to see the gods. Right. The aliens. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah, I, I don't know because um, because the line is that she's like yanked. She, she was like going down, right? And then she was like yanked to the side. So then right. it was like, why is she yanked to the side? Like if she was going down. But but I don't know. Maybe that's just how it's like travel. I don't know. Who knows about portal travel? Timey, wimey, wobbly. <laughs> yeah. Wibbly, wobbly, timely, wimey. Uh, so after Bryce goes to the portal, um, we get Hunt getting his halo back on. And, uh, you know, Baxine about to, to get a, another Halo on. I don't know what Hunt was expecting. Look, the consequences of my actions. Oh, my God. Um, that did not surprise me. I'm not worried about that. That is its own plot that will resolve itself. Not worried about it. Uh, worried about Rune just because I... But but Lydia is there, you know, like, the Hind is there. I love how Rune's able to be like, y'all y- y'all are... Your mates, your mates, but he can't pick up that that she's his mate. He goes, how he could abhor her and need her and be drawn to her in the same breath. I wonder if it's because it's so few and far between that it seems like this thing of myth that we're familiar with it because of our exposure of Crescent City or no, I'm sorry, Throne of Glass and Akatar. that this is like 15,000 plus years in the future that it like everything has been pretty um, arranged. You know, the same thing with with. Um, King Anir and Rune's mom, like nobody's really talked about mates. So maybe that's why he's like, oh, this should be my mate. I don't know. Again, I don't know. Yeah, no, those these are all these are all really good points. These are all really good questions. Um Jess, where does she end up? She ends up in Valoris, who has technology now. Like <laughs> when she said she there was like fresh cut grass, I go, I'm thinking. Very Pleasantville. I'm like, when did they get lawnmowers and a sprinkler system? <laughs> so, good it's questions. Oh, tears. Sobbing tears. I was so happy. Even to if we see, were spoiled. To see Batty Daddy Azzy. Batty <sighs> Daddy Azzy. Hello. Those, those scarred hands. Scarred hands. Leathery demon-like wings. I was like, well, I know who even, you're talking about. You know who this is. No. Yeah, we know who this is. Step I'm back. sorry. I'm sorry. Even if Hunt was my mate. Hunt who? Yeah. <laughs> what? Azzy? Azzy? Batty Ooh. Daddy Azzy's Batty back. Daddy Azzy back. Um, oh, fantastic, right? <gasps> and then he takes her, plops her down. Uh, and then when she's like, and then a swaggering male came in. I was like, yes, I'm chills. I'm so wait, happy. I'm wait, so I, have, happy. I have one more thing I have to say. Do you know yeah. what I would pay to be blindfolded by Batty Daddy Azzy? <laughs> I'm sorry. Please. I'm sorry. And then like push down into a chair. Yes. Yes. Sign me up, please. Can you imagine him just looking at you so com- and cocking his head? like, And then being like exasperated with you and being like, <gasps> I'd be like, and then putting a blindfold on you, picking you up, and then pushing you into a chair. I want this experience, please. <laughs> uh, but then we get, then we get Cass. You know, we get Pharaoh. We get Reese. We get, we get Amron. When Nesta walks in with Cass, and she's like, "What the fuck is going it's on?" Like, what is and this? then <laughs> we got to play homage to Pharaoh in her painted pants. Yeah, damn, walking out, <laughs> walking out. Um, I do like though how um, Rune. And Reese are confirmed. It's confirmed by Bryce right away. Which means Bryce is related to Reese. Yeah. So we can only hope that it's like, what, Reese and Dannon? 
I don't know. It sounds kind of dumb, but whatever. Um, I don't know. But that's, but, oh, but, but then you have Amarin where she, she makes the comment of somebody walks in immediately reminding her of Fury. And Amarin is, if you think about it, who Danica must have sniffed out. Like, remember, because yeah. th- there's this thing that they say at the beginning, or, you know, earlier in the book, where it's their connection, where she goes, Danica knew something about Fury. Fury knew something about Danica. And there was like this, I, I see, I've got you. Yeah. Like, I see you. Like, we're we're cool, but we're never going to talk about it. And, they, and it said over and over and over again that they don't know what kind of veneer that right. Fury is. Right. In the first book, too. Like, yeah. nobody, just, everybody knows you just don't ask questions. Yeah. So the Fury Amarin connection is also established there, which is interesting. Uh, and then the, um, I find the book of breathing language is confirmed, you know, because it's, it's in Jessica's library. And then Amarin says, like, nobody has spoken this language in like 15,000 years. It's the old language of the Fae. It's like, okay, okay, okay. Um, so that is really interesting. And then, and then, like, of course, Reese knows the language now, too. So Reese is speaking it as well. Reese has just always struck me as somebody who's like, he loves educating himself. You know, like he does it with Helion when he's like trying to get all that information when they were doing the exchange in Akasif. You find it again in Akasif when you, you when he has the orrery in his office. So I just feel like he's constantly he's just a very inquisitive person. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have the the confirmation of the knife and the star sword. Oh yeah, um, and then everybody like as was like who like yeah. he was shocked. Yeah. So we have that whole plot line, and then Reese speaks. Uh, we have, you know, hello, Bryce Quinlan. My name is Rhysand. We love that. And Sarah made it a point. She doesn't say, I, you know, Bryce Quinlan, like, I'm Rhysand, last name. Like, she, again, yeah, he didn't. Didn't say it, didn't say it. Uh, and, you know, the, and that's the, like, official end of the book. And then we have the epilogue. And then we have all of the other bonuses. Um, the epilogue is just, like, Ethan being called back to the house uh, after he, because he wants to guard the Lost Fendir heir. Um Big book, big book, big thoughts, yeah. big plot, head empty, big mushy thoughts. You, and I know we're going to be reading it at some point this year for um, Lord of the Rings, but you equated this book to The Two Towers. Yeah, I called this The Two Towers book, which is just to me like a plot movement book where like a lot of stuff happens and yeah, it's all pretty important, but like there's obviously another act coming and like that one is going to be like the the big one and we know she com- she confirmed it on the interview q a or whatever she had with both fane and la live because it was the same one that she's currently working on crescent city three so like that's confirmed i know a lot of people are upset thinking that there was going to be an all like alternating but it just seems like the logical sense because look at where this book left off clearly something is going to happen in crescent city three that's mm-hmm. probably going to tie into Akadar. Like, you know, that, that's, it's, again, its own spiral thing. Yeah, we're not spiraling here. We're, we're not, not the- spiraling, but I'm just saying, like, logically, it makes sense that she would do CC3 and the Akadar series with Hulu. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it all makes sense. Um, I wanted to point out something that I, I felt really, like, just dumb about. Like, after all of this was, like, confirmed and after the leak and after I read everything and I was thinking about the show and I was just like, oh, well... Fucking duh. She had to tell, like, when she had to tell everybody the plots of everything when she was pitching everything. So, of course, they got the Outlander guy that knows about, like, the modern day stuff going through a portal to the, 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 the old 
old timey stuff. Yeah. Like, of course, it makes fucking sense. And I, ugh. I can just hope that, ugh, I just hope that Hulu can do, you know, I think it was always said, because, you know, we knew she sold the rights for Throne of Glass a while ago. And I forget what the name of the title. I remember it was disclosed. I can't remember what the name, it wasn't, the name of the show wasn't Throne of Glass. Like, it was based on, but they had a whole different, like, pilot name. Um, I could only hope Hulu can do it justice, because you and I, we talk so much about, like, the various streaming services specifically, or just cable, um, regarding who can bring the series to justice. And I, I haven't read the Outlander books. I probably won't, because I really do enjoy the show. Um, but Stars does a wonderful job with that. We know HBO despite how the writing went, we know visually they do a great job with Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Netflix does what it did with Shadow and Bone. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Just do you like this book? It, uh, uh, I feel like talking it out helped me. Um, I like the first one better. I know, I, I feel like I'm going to get a lot of hate for that. I know, I think I had to come down from my my Chris, I had to come down from the high of it because I was very upset. Like initially, I was, I've, I was so frustrated with the stuff, with the frustrations we pointed out in this episode. But I was just like crying out of my frustration. I don't remember the last time, and I'm a per, I'm, I'm, you know, admittedly emotional because of this, you know, because Laura decided to like, hey, I'm gonna make you read fantasy. I'm gonna knock this dam up, like down that you've been blocking all your feels for the last, you know, million years. Um. So I was really upset. I feel like talking it out, I'm like I'm a little bit more rational, but I think it comes from like that first initial read high. Same thing with Akasif. I think a lot of people love Akasif and we were ever, a lot of people were like on that emotional high. And then when you came down from that and everybody was talking about, they're like, wait, what was the plot? What happened? Cassian, Nesta, sex, and <laughs> Valkyrie. Um, but then everybody was like, wait, what happened? <laughs> I feel like that's, I've come down emotionally. I've calmed down emotionally. I'm happy. It, I still like Crescent City, Earth and Blood more. And I know that has to do with the 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 friendship that is there. Like that it plays a huge part. It, it, it carries the whole story. Where are your thoughts with this? I know you like Crescent City one better. Yeah, no, I absolutely like Crescent City one better. Uh, this one just... It didn't do it for me. Just you right. said like disappointed and like disappointed, I think is the right word. Uh, it is disappointing to build up this like uh, foundation of strong sisterhood and friendship and then just to watch it like crumble. But then if it's part of a like larger like plot line that's resolved in the next book about how like, you know, you need right. the power of friendship or whatever. And we all get glowing friendship bracelets like I'll eat my words, but it, it just didn't sit right with me. It left a bad taste in my mouth. Like I, I don't, you know, and now she's totally isolated from everything that she knows. It's just like, how far are you gonna uh, i don't know i don't know i don't know maybe maybe that's it maybe we just have to wait to see what the next book happens yeah. because i feel like every time she has a new book out um you start shifting your placements like i know yeah. a ton of people don't like crown of midnight i know it's it's at the bottom of a lot of people's like lists i have a nostalgic place for it in my heart because that book is where i start it was the first book i cried at in the throne of glass series 
because at the end of that book, I realized, holy shit, this thing is so much bigger than I even realized. So I have a special place. Like, is it the best book? No, but I do like it because it was my aha moment. So maybe going back on it, like, you know, just like Assassin's Blade and you figure it out in Empire of Storms, people sometimes place Assassin's Blade low on their list, but sometimes they raise it a little bit higher because it your aha moment comes like four books later. Yeah. And, and I feel books, like, you know, yeah. like, yeah. So, so, so give me, uh, give me Christmas City 3. Give me Christmas oh, yeah. City 3. Give me Christmas City 3 right now. I will read it. And then I will go back and reassess my judgment of Crescent City 2. Uh, Crescent City 2 is pretty low on my list. And I know that that is, um, you know, not what people are, the, are like saying because they're, they're still in the high. And I understand that. I understand the high, but like, I am not there. I am being realistic. And it is just, it is just not, it is, it is not, it is not it. It is not it for me. I came for female friendship and I left with complete and utter isolation. And it is just not what I wanted. So I think it's fair to say we will revisit this book in the future. Absolutely. Not near, fu- like, not near future. No. Um, but feel free to please, like, again, I, I want to reiterate that we should normalize that it's okay to be wrong and not be toxic about it and have respectful conversations. You know, it, it's fine. It's okay. Like, people don't, like, it's just, it's different, you know? And that's what we're having. Everybody's experience is different. Nobody should be unruly about it. So we, if you want to reach out, tell us your thoughts in our DMs, have those conversations. We want to have them, but not in an attacking way. I, I think that's fair to say. And it's not just us. It's everybody. It's, you know, let's let's be respectful. I think that's all you can re- do is reiterate the importance of that. Be nice. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. Don't be an asshole. Don't be a dick. Just be nice. So <laughs> it's like, can you imagine like how hard it is that we have to ask people to like just be nice be, be, be nice but feel free to follow us on instagram akafe podcast we're also both on tiktok akafe laura and akafe jessica um here's to the next one thanks everyone bye bye <laughs>